Welcome to the Learning Shared Podcast. Hello, my name is Alan Wood and I'm your host. Thanks very much for listening. So Learning Shared is a space for anyone with an interest in supporting the needs of vulnerable learners in our society, including those with special educational needs and disabilities. We'll be hearing from and talking with a wide range of colleagues and stakeholders, including teachers, specialist practitioners, school leaders, researchers, as well as parents and carers. They'll be sharing creative, inspiring ideas, effective practice and things they've learned along their journey. With that in mind, please get in touch if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode or if you'd like to be involved in any way. You can visit us at www.learningshared.org or tweet us at underscore learning shared. The Learning Shared podcast is brought to you by Evidence for Learning and the EFL Send community. This is a growing community of teachers, practitioners, school leaders, researchers and academics that support children, young people and adults with special educational needs and disabilities or indeed any form of additional learning needs. You can find out more about the EFL Send community and Evidence for Learning at www.evidenceforlearning.net. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Martin McKenna. Martin is currently the deputy head teacher at Palmerston School in Liverpool. I say currently because in September, Martin has been appointed to uh, his own headship and will be moving across the Mersey to take on the role of head teacher at Foxfield School in the Wirral. Welcome, Martin, and thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me this morning, Boyd. No, it's, it's great. We're doing a whole series of podcasts, Martin, to explore the uh, recovery curriculum and its implementation. Um, and I wonder if you could begin for us by just describing your experience of adjustment to the school lockdown and the sort of interventions you've been doing on behalf of your children, but I know you've been exceptionally proactive with the families. Yes. So just to give you a background really about Palmerston School and what Palmerston School is, mm-hmm. Palmerston School is a SLD school based in Outworth in the south side of Liverpool. We provide education for pupils aged between 11 and 19. We currently have 124 pupils enrolled with a wide range of abilities under the umbrella of SLD and complex needs. Though as we're all aware, every one of these pupils is very, very different and diverse and come from a wide range of social and economic backgrounds. And really as a school, our belief and our ethos always has been that pupils should experience a learning environment which nurtures, supports and challenges Mm. them, really develop their independent skills to make them happy and confident. And this is what we sort of built upon our our whole curriculum. And really an overview of our curriculum is we have three pathways, pre-formal, semi-formal, formal, and then post-16, it's preparation for adulthood. Now, over the last few years, we have been redeveloping, um, really since the Rotter Review, our curriculum and also to your engagement profiles mm-hmm. uh, and sense of engagement. We've been really working with the pupils and also the parents to really get in a position where we work as one, as a multi-agency, including a variety of different other um, partnerships from physios to travel trainers, so forth, et cetera, to sort of prepare ourselves to sort of enhance the pupils going forward. So prior to or lockdown, 
we've been quite lucky that we had this approach and it had everyone on board and a real understanding of, of what learning looked like for all these pupils, a real personalised learning curriculum. Mm. Um, as I said, tailored through the different paths with a variety of themes which kids could really move through. So as I said, prior to the lockdown, we had this in place and there was a lot of communication flow, both from parents and multi-agency, et cetera, around what was the next best steps for pupils going forward. Mm-hmm. This gave us such a real good grounding to the unfortunate events that did unfold. Mm-hmm. So we were able to preload and front load a lot of sort of information and also ideas so that parents had ideas and obviously um, opportunities sort of going forward for the pupils. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we used was evidence for learning. And this sort of really enhanced our sort of outlook for the pupils and outlook for the parents. We used very different activities and also PDFs to sort of tailor suit to the pupils' needs, going down from the EHDs and actually their personal learning goals. So, for example, when I just looked through some statistics this morning, the first week of lockdown, we preloaded. Obviously, we had some pupils in school, but going up to that lockdown, and there was over a thousand different interactive activities put on the system. Wow. Um, and within this, there was at least five or six personalised activities from class teachers or the individual pupils. Now, what was really, really nice, and one of the things that, you know, if you ever li- listen to William James, um, the philosopher and sort of psychologist of, of habit, routines, they were, were mere bundles of routines. And, and everyone would always say the routines are always the same and keeping them is very, very important to all our pupils. So one of the things that we did was we started off every morning and we continue to do this during the lockdown for the, those people who are remotely learning in the community and at home, is the staff team will record a video. And mm-hmm. a person is just saying, today is Tuesday, et cetera. How are you feeling? And sort of invite them into the different activities of what they would like them to do. Yeah. This has been fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And a real opportunity for sort of all the whole families to get involved. So, for example, our main focus was really fun family activities that not just pupils from our school can take part in, but the whole family can take part in. So these were ranged from dance-offs to baking to gym exercises. Um, and all the staff has sort of put this in together. And it's been a real, more so than ever, and I think, although we've, there's a lot of loss and trauma, so there's been such collabor- collaboration uh, between staff and families that, that this remote learning, I think this going to definitely be a new way for us going forward of, of how we develop it. As I say, these activities uh, and opportunities that provide to parents have been whole family based. They have then recorded these and sent them back into school. So we can critique them as well. And the real sort of honesty and transparency, one of the levers that, that your son talked about was that transparent curriculum. Mm-hmm. It's now come to fruition quicker than we ever thought because we're okay. actually standing that home. Parents are actually seeing what sort of activities we're doing and they're engaging take important to learn and send it back in for us to sort of develop that and send it back out again. So so really out of this sort of trauma and and tragedy, something very positive in terms of future pathways for family engagement and really keeping that partnership that you've so proactively established live and dynamic. Yeah, and that for me... That is one of the most important things. Um, and, and one thing you always say yourself in your podcast and, and some of the speeches is that we have to share the script. Mm. And it's essential that we share the script with parents. And I think now more than ever is when we have to share them scripts. In a, in a time of tragedy and loss yeah. and bereavement, family nets have tightened in on them. Their, their little circles have got smaller. 
And yeah. for a lot of these parents now, they may have three or four pupils, or sorry, kids who are at home. And to manage that as a single parent, or even as, as two parents are, without the support of family, you know, other people from, who have been helping, without that support, their networks have got very, very tight. And there's no break, there's no escape for them at the moment. There's no school, there's no routine. Um, and unfortunately, due to some of the diverse backgrounds of our parents, um, there's been a lot of social economic sort of issues that have caused loss and tragedy as well. You know, people losing their jobs and also, more importantly, losing family members and that support yeah. that they rely on. So I think more than ever, we as a community, um, I mean that by all school staff, everyone around, the pupils from physios, as I say, to social workers, to everyone involved, need to rely on each other. And yes. Together. And uh, really, I was, when I was doing some research recently into what we're going to do for curriculum, uh, Dan, Dan Goldman, he's a professor in mm. Harvard, and mm. always talks about people who invest in social support systems are better equipped to deal with the most difficult circumstances. And this is something that I think has been really brought to light at the moment. And I think it's so vital that we put them support networks out there, not only for the pupils, but parents and everyone's staff included, so that we can bounce back better than ever and with a better understanding of, of going forward to support these pupils. Mm. Mm. That That's fantastic, Martin. And there's so much encapsulated there. You've got so many layers to your thinking. I'm, I'm sure the listeners will get a, a lot from that. Can we um, look forward a little bit now and, and think about bridging what you've been doing more into the context of the, the recovery curriculum and um, your idea about how the losses and levers are going to be an ongoing dynamic as you start to bring children back into the school situation? Yeah. So for me, um, one of the fundamental parts of, of the recovery curriculum, and probably the most fundamental part of actually society and schools, is that education is a relationship-based profession. Mm. And we need to invest in this. Yes. We need to invest in this and really engage, as I always say, not just the, the learner, but everyone around that pupil and through inquiry to find out what's working well, what has changed, what needs to be developed. And it's constant inquiry to, to see where we can go forward. But ultimately, making it fun and yeah. safe because without engagement, we don't have any sort of relationship with that person. We need to create that engagement first. And how, how we can do that is by really getting parents on board and an understanding of, of what trauma and what loss has happened during this difficult time, and then starting to work with parents. One of the things proactively that I've looked at that doing both in my current school in Palmerston and also in Foxfield is setting up systems where parents have time to actually deal with the trauma as well and support networks for them because we need to address both staff and pupils within school, but also these parents need support. Yes. They need support. And it might just be a conversation. It might be something to share, a forum where they can share their opinions, thoughts, but actually somewhere they can deal with to show that they're not alone. Mm. Um, because a problem, sure, is what one people would always say is a problem half. So going forward, I think that's one of the real areas that we need to work on in the, in the learning community because I feel now more than ever, parents need that support. They've realised how difficult it is to, to manage these pupils on a daily basis and they're used to the routines. I think this crisis has really thrown to the forefront the importance of communication and links between school and, as I say, home and inquiry into what is needed 
needs to happen. And yes. and offering that up to, as I said, to um, start, sorry, two parents so they can understand, you know, this is how we go forward and, and their voice is actually heard. Um, I also feel that one of the important ones touched on by Matthew, your son, was space, the labor yeah. for space. And I think when we have the curriculum back up and running, that space and time for, for pupils to reflect and just have time to gather their own, their own thoughts and time to organize fun activities, you know, They've missed out on so much social investment over the last few months. That time to just play alongside other people, to throw a ball. Um, you know, living in a city, we don't all have the luxury of back gardens, you know, and due to obviously the social anxieties and everything that goes along with it, going to different parks for a lot of parents is very, very difficult. The best times, never mind now, um, during the lockdown and the crisis, where unfortunately for some of our people, social distancing has no meaning. And so bringing them back into space, time to sort of reflect and offering them opportunities for them to heal and giving them tools to support, I think it's vital going forward. I'm glad you've just ended with the word heal because um, in, in uh, the lecture I've just recorded for Mental Health Awareness Week, I've actually focused <laughs> big time on healing. And at times in education, we've not wanted to talk about such things because it's a medical term and we're not doctors and nurses. But I do think you're right to talk there about healing, that the, our children cannot have lived through this experience and not be damaged in some way. And there's a process. We need to think of education therapeutically and the healing it can bring. But that, and you, and you certain a lot about what you do in the families and staff. What about yourself? One of the points you make in the recovery curriculum is about um, compassionate lead, leadership. I've heard the evidence of that, but I just want you to pull it to yourself. Yeah. Look, for me, um, the leadership stems everywhere throughout throughout the whole community. It's not just focused on the SLT, as we normally right. traditionally say. Right. You know, everyone's a leader within this. Um, right. And I think there's, for, for example, within the old school, we have a variety of different learning and support assistants. And their kindness and overwhelming sort of support networks that they have put, right. put them to the forefront of leadership. You know, yeah. they are probably leading some areas better than us as SLT. They, they are out there, they're compassionate, they're kindness and spreading that to families. They're going beyond and be above to really help parents, help members of the community and also help the school as a whole. Um, and I think bringing together that sort of kindness, leaders are born um, out of it. Um, and I think, as I said, these leaders sort of in the community, they're peer-to-peer -peer support. Their networks have, have just been brilliant. And strangely enough, in a time of, of trauma, etc., there's been so, so much happiness and resilience shown between staff and groups. You know, people are going beyond. And for some of our pupils, there's no boundaries that staff won't stop at. You know, they, they're going so much out of their way to try and improve. And I think as a community, there's a real togetherness. People are supporting people more than they've probably ever done. Yes. Uh, and I feel that we as a society need to learn from this. And going forward, I think the landscape and the culture uh, needs to be one of support, you know, where we, yes. we all aim as a common goal as a society to sort of improve people li people's lives as opposed to a single focus or a single person. It, they always mention team over I, you know, in any sport. For me, that's more important now than ever. Um, yes. yes. So it is that, that sense of team and that leadership together is so important as a, as a collaborative leadership. You know, you've got 
also parents who are taking an active leadership role in this and mm. logging in, encouraging other members of, of the family. I know, for example, within Foxfield, the Parent Teacher Association um, is very, very strong there. And one of the things that, that unfortunately, due to the loss this year, um, they have had to stop the school and disco or dance at the end for the leavers and mm-hmm. the prom night. Mm-hmm. And the work and leadership shown by the parents to try and provide that in the autumn term to get that sense of togetherness, to show that the pupils are all one um, and to provide, to stop anxieties because that was such a big leaving event for a lot of the pupils has been huge. And my hat goes off to, to parents who are doing beyond and both for, for the local communities and they really come together. But tell us how they're going to do that end of term event in the light of the current context. Um, at the moment, um, it's up in the air they're, with the different leavers. They're coming together. So they're going to have a social leaving on Zoom Yes. At the moment, yeah. With the foresight that when, when we open up, or when some more rules are relaxed um, due to the orbit, etc., we can bring back in the limos and yes. we can get a whole celebration and have fun and bring everyone together in a local community centre where there's social distancing still can't happen. For, yeah. Um, but where we can have them discos and an environment that's different to school that we can there's yeah. a real celebration. But. Yeah. You know, it, it's going forward. It, it's all dependent on, on how we respond to the virus as a community um, yes. and what the educational landscape looked like in September. For me, uh, it's, it's a real challenge with that because it's hard to guess now that we have sort of retracted some of the lockdown. Um, so people now are obviously allowed to meet in the community. So going forward, what will our school look like in September? Mm. It's it, at this moment in time, especially with me moving into a new headship, it's anyone's guess. And yes. you know, I can prepare as best I can with with my SLT. I've been doing a lot, lots of work behind the in the background, behind the scenes about what we're going to do going forward, different weeks, etc., theme weeks, and I'm really making school fun for mm. kids coming back in, working on resilience and actually what's important to them all to make them feel safe and secure because ultimately that's the most important. Um, so we've done quite a bit of work on, on looking at how it's safe and secure for pupils, parents, and also staff, and reducing their anxieties. So I really think when we go forward with that, we, we can only take sort of a protocol and priorities. And mm. We don't know what sort of pupils are going to get back. And as always, it's actually going to give us an opportunity to really inquire about our pupils. Mm. So these are pupils I don't really know much about in mm. Foxfield as of yet. But we need to really inquire. So all staff need to take a step back and start that inquiry base again and use yes. parents that pivotal approach and yes. going forward so we can develop and devise a curriculum wrapped around the pupils to have yes. the support going forward. Yes. You, you've given us lots of insights there, both reflecting on your current and, and potentially your future experience. And uh, I, I was going to ask you some of the lessons that you've learned, but I think you've articulated those really very well. So what, what I would probably like to um, ask you as the wrap-up question for this, Martin, would be just pick out of the things you've learned in the last two, three months around the the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Um, What for you would be the aspiration that you'll take with you when you move to your new school? Um, For me, it's it's all about um, happiness, I think, is one of the most important things and it's a key theme for me, I think, going forward to my new school. And being able to connect with others through positive relationships. Uh, I think that I think really underpinning all that 
uh, which I've seen come to fruition over the last few months, is school values. Yes. I think we have to live the school values. Yes. And so they need to be very, very powerful. We need to provide certainty for all the pupils, staff, etc., positivity, and also routines. Yes. And, and for me, going forward, it needs to be meaningful engagement. You know, and everyone needs to work on the pedagogy again, get back down on a, on a joint collaboration to really understand pupils, focusing on, as one of the levers that I feel so powerfully about, is that relationships with the recovery curriculum, that reassurance of, of rebuilding relationships, listening to what people have went through, having empathy with them, and, and just having fun, and yeah. life fun, reconnecting, reassurance, and accepting pupils will actually bounce back from this at different stages. Mm. You know, yes. We can't say after three weeks, we're going back into yeah. our curriculum. It, it has to be developed to them pupils, as, as all curriculum should be. It has to be person-centered and personalized. Um, and we need to use our professional curiosity to try different things coming back. We need to really empower our staff go to sort of, you know, develop sort of a, a recovery and build resilience. And how they're going to do that is down to the individual pupils and their knowledge of them. And for example, one of the staff has been really working quite a lot on movement and looking at how movement is key. And yes. Because it obviously releases a lot of endorphins. Yes. And, and once, or for example, once dopamine and serotonin flood the brain, we open up our learning centers and we perform better yes. and when we're positively engaged. So going forward, a lot of our pupils will be outside moving We'll have that social distance and, and having fun of just using that exercise. I mean, that's one of the big goals going forward for me is to, is to use sort of movement um, in the ways we can and use the right door spaces yes. and improve it. I mean, we also have a variety of different therapies that we have in Palms and School um, and some of them are within Foxfield as well. But one of the ones that I think really come to fruition has been very, very important is Thrive. And yes. And Thrive is a, a, a trauma-based sort of approach um, yes. at its heart and, and supports and encourages the development of confident, sort of curious, creative and capable children and who are open to learning, obviously, and better equipped to deal with trauma. Yes. Um, so one of our teachers there has been creating different targets for different groups um, based on sort of trauma type and how she feels characterised by people's need and actually how they learn going forward, what sort of activities they will need to be based on to, to deal with some of the trauma um, and how staff can approach that and sort of scaffolding things for staff. We've obviously got other aspects such as social stories and, and books beyond words. Mm. It's another powerful one, I think. Mm. Thinking in pictures and removing, obviously, the barriers and working together yes. to sort of explore what actually happened. And that, that reflects back to one of the, one of the levers in the coverage curriculum of space, Yes. That that co-collaboration in creating a story about yeah. for them and time to, as I say, to process, to heal and have a voice and reflect over what happens because, you know, speaking unfortunately to, or speaking to some of my parents, unfortunately, we have had some of our pupils' parents who have passed away over the last few weeks due to the COVID-19 virus. And this is trauma that no one expected to have to deal with but as a profession, we have to adapt. We have to put the resources in there and help them move forward. And I think this trauma is not just a fact in pupils or staff. It's a fact in the wider community. It's a fact in everyone involved. And we all have to realise 
that we might need to speak and use a variety of different approaches to help ourselves move forward. Mm. Um, and going forward for us, both in Palmerston and also in Foxfield, I think it's getting staff. Staff are our biggest resource within a school. Um, getting them in the right frame of mind so that we can sort of go forward because having positive staff, having them in the right frame of mind is ultimately going to trickle down to pupils and having pupils come home happy is going to trickle down to families. Yes. And that whole dynamic is one. We're all interconnected. We don't all live in vacuums. All, whatever I do, impacts upon everyone else. And I think kindness is ultimately at the heart of all of that. And a smile at the start of a day in school can change that pupil's day. How are you? That time to reflect can offer that pupil that opportunity to explore what's actually troubling them, what's stressing them. That then can can help them move forward. And that, that impact upon home life can be huge. You know, if they're at home happy, parents are a little bit more happy. And that us as a society are obviously more happy. And I, I really think that's so important, that kindness and happiness going forward. And, and just smiling. And I see it out in the community now. Through the lockdown, I've obviously been exercising and walking a lot more than I normally do. And the amount of people who are now saying hello and engaging with each other and smiling. And it's just a beautiful thing. Helping each other that way to sort of strive forward is it's just helping the community. And I think there's whilst there's been a lot of loss and trauma, I think as a community going forward, happiness and kindness need to shine through. And I think I think it is. I think going forward, it really, really is. And I think our world is going to really be positive from that and it's going to help us and bounce back. And and those words you've just used about kindness and, and smiling were exactly the themes that Captain Tom Moore took when he spoke about uh, the knighthood he's been awarded. And I think all of those values you've articulated about, about compassion and kindness and uh, community and, and fun, um, those are words that we've known, but I think now we're going to live them far more. Um, I think, Martin, what you've done powerfully in this interview is articulated a legacy that could drive education forward, that we have gone through the tragedy of a pandemic. Um, but if we've learned anything from it, it's the sort of things you've told us today. Uh, I want to thank you for your insights, for the generosity of your spirit, and for the vision that you've shared with us, which, frankly, is quite inspirational. I wish you well for the future. Thank you, Martin McKenna. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you for listening. You can find more information about the Recovery Curriculum at www.recoverycurriculum.org. There's links to resources, reference materials, as well as uh, video slide decks. Barry Carpenter's webpage is www.barrycarpentereducation.com. And the homepage for the podcast is www.learningshared.org. You can email us at learningshared at theteachcloud.net or tweet us at underscore learningshared. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And please do get in touch with feedback if you'd like to either suggest a topic for a future episode or if you'd like to be involved in any way. Finally, you're welcome to join the conversation via one of our online communities of practice. 
We've got groups on Facebook and LinkedIn and details are on the Recovery Curriculum and Learning Shared web pages. You can search for Recovery Curriculum as a group inside Facebook. So for now, thanks again for listening. Stay safe and be well.